Hello and welcome to Pop of Passion. Join me, Jack Sparker, comedian and highly sensitive person, along with a guest every other week as we delve into our deepest passions. From being a plant dad to conquering insecurity with comedy. If you relish the memory of an unexpected late night conversation with a stranger about their obscure passion, the kind where you have tears in your eyes one second and are doubled over laughing the next, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to Pop of Passion. I'm Jack Sparker and I'm so glad you're here. My guest today spent three years working in immigration law. He writes books, video games, and movies for a living and performs stand-up comedy. He didn't fully believe he was a journalist until he helped expose the Nexium cult to the world. He also does acting and music and tap dancing when no one is looking. He runs shows for Crooked Media and writes books about things that break his heart. Please welcome to Papa Passion, Brock Wilbur. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I worry that I misunderstood an assignment. Was there supposed to be a lie in there somewhere? Oh no! It was. It's the first thing I say is it sounds like a lie. Gotcha. Okay. I, I was like, I I thought it was supposed to be true, and then I kept yeah. waiting for the part that was going to be a lie, and I was like. No, that's still all that sounds like me. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I just like to do something that's like sounds outlandish, but it actually is true is the first thing I say. Yeah. Cool. I thought I was doing a deep cut, but, but the first line of the intro being like, he came from immigration law. Like I did, I suppose. Yes. That yeah. is, that is a cool way to kick her off. Yeah. How are you today? I'm pretty good. You know, Monday in Chicago, we're doing the thing. How's the uh, weather in Chi-Town today? It's raining and it did cool down. It's been very hot for the past week, but it cooled down with the rain and I'm very happy about that. Fair enough. Yeah. So Brock Wilbur, what is your passion? My passion. Uh, right now my passion is figuring out why this cat keeps fucking yelling. What are you mad about? There's nothing in there. Ah. Oh my gosh. My passion is investigative journalism, which somehow this falls under the umbrella of as well. No, what totally. is it that you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did you get interested in investigative journalism? Um, I uh, spent a career uh, doing a lot of like screenwriting and stuff uh, and uh, made a terrible decision to also be an entertainment journalist, which uh, people will warn you not to do because you'll burn some bridges. Because uh, when you mm -hmm. tell somebody that their movie suck shit and then two years later you're like would you like to buy my movie they'll remember uh what you said um i was doing a lot of uh, stuff in the in the entertainment space uh started getting into video game writing um had had some movies and stuff uh and i uh i had a lot of indie films that i turned the script in for and then uh, the thing about indie films is sometimes they take four or five years to finally come out and by the time you see them uh, it would be like seeing your stand-up from eight years ago and you're like i wouldn't say any of these things now and this does not represent who i am as a person nor what i want to be right saying it doesn't matter to anyone so um so i got into stand-up out of that um because i was like oh i can go out tonight if i have an idea there's an audience i can do a feedback system and see if this is is this anything um and then, <laughs> Based on that, um, 
pretty easy to determine whether or not that idea is worth uh, ever spending another minute on, uh, much less five years. Uh, so I got into that, got into touring. And touring the country is a great way to hear a lot of people's stories and to see some shit, to see some stuff that you're like, that shouldn't be how anything works. Right. Uh, and so uh, through that, I started doing a lot of uh, a lot of journalism, mostly just sort of documenting things, uh, extending a little bit beyond uh, the scope of wacky video game movie stuff. Um, and then I uh, stumbled into a situation where I was recruited by the cult Nexium, uh, which uh, is now something that everybody knows about, but it was uh, 2016. And I was like, something doesn't sit right about all of this. They want to give me a job in their new fake news division, uh, which was a, a whole company dedicated to finding and exposing fake news. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's right after the, the big election. Like, that seems like a, a, a worthwhile uh, thing to spend time on. Like, I, I would feel like I'm changing the world. Uh, and they're like, yeah, but before you take the job, you got to come uh, do a training for uh, for six weeks uh, in the woods outside of Albany at our compound. And I was like, compound, yeah. woods, training. I was like, what what is the training about? And they were like, just shut the fuck up. Just come, just come be in the woods with us. Like, you're asking too many questions. I was like, but don't, isn't this for a journalism job? And they were like, it's, it's still just too many questions for journalism. Uh, and so figured out pretty quickly that, uh, something awry was happening. I uh, wrote a big piece about it for Paste Magazine. Uh, that was uh, a, a number of months before some of the much bigger revelations came out that uh, you can see in things like HBO's show, The Vow, uh, which features a lot of people that I worked with, uh, especially over the next uh, couple of years as we worked on some other projects about it. And while they had a team of private investigators uh, follow me and my wife around Los Angeles, uh, wow. which was really fun because like i'm a six seven former football player yeah go northwestern uh and uh they would send guys that look like a high school substitute biology teacher just some like five six dweeb with a camera and i'm like mm, you didn't know what you were getting into here bud uh so it wasn't particularly threatening so much as it was just really annoying i was like uh, still today like one time they were just uh they had a guy that was shooting photos of me inside a subway sandwich shop and i was like yeah it's kind of embarrassing that i get like a foot-long tuna every other day but like nothing in those pictures makes you not a sex cult like i don't know right how you're how you're taking me down here um anyway getting into that was sort of a thing that like it really bridged a gap for me um it is the it is in many ways the exact same skill set uh as stand-up which is first and foremost storytelling uh and secondly like taking a lot of different points of information and really distilling them into something that is factual, but also interesting uh, and understanding what kind of audiences are going to respond to that and how you can use your words to try and inspire actions or call attention to something. Uh, and so once I kind of cracked that, like, oh, I can do that with this and I can do that with other people's stories, like, I think that maybe that's my calling. So uh, started getting much more into doing a lot of like national journalism, political stuff. Uh, my wife is the uh, head feminist uh, opinion editor uh, for the Mary Sue off the East Coast. Oh, wow. She's had that job for five years now. Uh, so just a household of, uh, of two, uh, two journalists doing journalism all the time. Uh, anyway, one day realized like we can do our jobs from absolutely anywhere. Why are we 
spending the amount that we spend on a one bedroom in Hollywood uh, when we could spend that amount and get a two story house in Kansas City and also live in a state where like it's not blue. There's a lot of work to be done. I'm like right. California. That's like we're already there. Uh, so moved out here and took over uh, the alt paper uh, from Kansas City as their editor in chief. I now run the pitch. Um, which is uh, a 41 year old journalistic institution, uh, which is uh, just the home of uh, some real outstanding award winning journalism alongside some awesome shit posters. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like, it is very good to perform a wildly important public service and also to just be the biggest thorn in the side to the biggest pieces of shit in town. Uh, it is exactly what I always hoped journalism would be uh sometimes it's sometimes it's a lot we've done a lot of very long-term deep dives into things uh that have involved like a lot of pain and trauma and hours and hours of of interviews with things and like as much as in my head i was like oh i want to go be the movie spotlight someday um it turns out that cosplaying at spotlight comes with a lot of like crying yourself to sleep at night and being like i think i need to up my dosages on absolutely everything so um there's there's a return on investment there that feels very much like stand-up where like even on your best night you're still still sort of like what am i doing with my life and like i'm gonna beat myself up internally over a number of things so um yeah i don't know it's 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 stand-up that um does important things every single day and i find it just wildly rewarding so um investigative journalism that's become my passion (laughs) that's so interesting did you study journalism at northwestern i studied radio television film and i was very excited to move to la and uh do exciting things like be a writer on the hills (gasps) uh, which is always fun like uh, to be like that's my first gig out of school and people like the hills had writers and i'm like oh you're not a fan of my work and all the wonderful twists and turns that come along with it no like there everything about i feel like it's probably the case of everyone that goes to college gets their degree and then never does anything with that degree is that sometimes you find out your dream job is actually just sort of like horse shit in the day-to-day you're like there's a lot of unless i'm the rock star in my industry of doing whatever this is it's just still more homework so yeah so were you always just like a super curious kid? Were you like sleuthing? I just imagine, um, you know, Harriet the Spy, but taller and more masculine. Yeah, if 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 Harriet the Spy was on testosterone, yeah, if <laughs> yeah, just like a, a gigantic encyclopedia brown. Uh, yeah, no, I yeah, I mean. <laughs> Every everyone in in the comedy community, like a solid seventy percent of us, certainly come up with gifted kid syndrome. Especially if we come from a small town where we're like, "That was the smartest person in right. my school of 40. Um, But like, yeah, I, I I'd never actually put my finger on it until a couple of years ago, where I a coworker was like. The, the problem is that no one's prepared for how curious you are. And I was like, mm. oh, okay. It's interesting that I use curiosity as, as a threat because like the moment that I, that I raise an eyebrow at something, that's when I know I'm going to spend a lot of time on. I'm like, I just, I just got to understand. And especially with the, with the Nexium cult stuff, like that's what led it to being a two year wormhole for me, which is like, but I still just don't understand. Like, what's the end game in right. this thing? <laughs> like, 
And the, the more you dig, the more that you come up with stuff that is even more bewildering than before. And you're like, and, and how did everyone just let it get to this point? And, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I, I think that that's sort of curiosity. Uh, I, I, I'm in a wonderful position in what I get to do uh, as, as head of the alts newspaper in Kansas City, which is that we have our version of the New York Times. We have the Kansas City Star, an old gray lady institution that like has been the bedrock of, of, of things for so long. But we live in such a period where for the last five, six years, so many publications, especially in news, in order to avoid uh, having any appearance of uh, editorializing or, or having a slanted set of beliefs or so that they might be called fake news have gone out of their way to just be like completely middle of the road in everything that they do. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that like, when you start to do that and you stop doing anything that might state an opinion, even if that opinion is genuine fact, you start leaning very right. Uh, and that'd be, like the number of times that I got to see New York Times or Washington Post published, like uh, President Trump says the pandemic is over, period scientists disagree period it's just like no you can you some sometimes people need a place that can say like hey that guy lied like that's a pretty simple headline yeah. and it shouldn't be a revolutionary act just to be able to be like there's absolutely no facts behind whatever that is so i get to be in a cool place where as opposed to being a traditional member of that sort of journalism that seems to be dying very quickly uh I get to be in a place where we get to say and do important things. And at least like we never publish anything that isn't 100% factually correct, but you can also take a stance on things. So like we're, we're a gigantic publication in a city that like no one else felt comfortable saying black lives matter. Well, like mm -hmm. it, it's just a very simple thing to do. Like it's, uh, it is true. And obviously yep. the, the way that the world should be going and people should acknowledge that. And people were like, how dare you say such a thing or take a stance? It was like, it's not a stance. It's just, it's just how it is. Like it yeah. shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be that. So like, um, it is, uh, that blends well with that, like unkillable sense of curiosity to be like, I just think that there's more here and we should probably let people know what, what they should, or at least could think about just how bad this thing is. And, uh, that's a, it's led to doing like, I, I've been in this position for two years and it's led to doing some wildly important stuff, especially during pandemic, but like, um, just a, just a rare opportunity to be, uh, absolutely punk rock and also very traditionally journalistic. Uh, so, uh, investigative journalism, be like getting the opportunity to do like a, a several month deep dive into like, a person or a church or a business and you're just like i know something down there just is rotten to all hell and we will find it <laughs> like yeah. there's the 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 treasure hunt aspect of it i really enjoy yeah it's like the goonies yes that's like my favorite movie um i'm just wondering like it seems like investigative journalism you know you say you have this unkillable sense of curiosity but it seems like it must wear on you. So what do you do for self-care in order to keep going and keep searching? Um, that that can be hard. Uh, yeah. the, um, 
so some of the bigger pieces we've done, we did one that took two months and I was doing after work, uh, an hour to three hours of interviews with various people that were uh, victims of an organization and, and, and for like two months and, and nights, weekends, uh, I, I split the work equally with my co-writer on the piece. And like at the end of it, both of us had to like discuss whether or not maybe we wanted to do in treatment program for like a week, uh, right. just be somewhere where somebody can monitor us. Cause like my, my wife was like, I, I know that you're done with it finally and you couldn't do anything, uh, until it was done. But like now, like you should go be in a cabin somewhere and no booze should come with you. Right. And maybe you should just like sit and read books for a while and never, ever look at Twitter. And I was like, maybe I should like, they're, they're, I, I, sometimes I don't know what to do about that part but the uh, the other side of it is that like there's something magical about local jur journalism that i'd never done so i didn't understand it which is that like i write things and we write things in our publication and i can drive around town and see the impact that it has had on people's lives and i i was ill prepared for like how good that would feel like my grandfather spent his entire life he was a road construction guy just paved streets and he would drive us to small towns in Kansas and be like, check out this road, built this road and like, look at it 40 years later, not a crack in it. And as a yeah. kid, I was like, you don't understand who's proud about this road. And like, now I'll walk around town and like see businesses that we helped thrive, catch a band that like no one was giving attention to. I'm like, Oh, like I can see the impact that I can feel that sense of pride in the thing. And like, that feels good. And sometimes it's a business that we've closed down because they were awful to employees. And like, that also feels good. Yeah. <laughs> I totally relate to that. My dad um, and grandfather were in the construction business and my dad still is. And we would drive down to the city because we lived in the suburbs and he'd be like, built that one, built that one. And my grandpa, you know, did the same. And I'm just like, what do I do? Like I just tweet and I don't, I'm, I'm working on it. I know I'm like, you know, so that's really cool that you can see what you've done physically. That's like the dream. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. yeah I, I, I have a friend that's one of, uh, she's one of my freelance writers. Uh, and she recently stopped to become a tree trimmer. She climbs trees all days uh, oh. and like trims them and like, always loved climbing, always loved the outdoors. Now she doesn't do her day job in front of a computer anymore. Uh, and like, it's just like, I have a skill set and I take trees down and I'm just like, I wish I had one actual like non-screen based skill set. I, <sighs> I want to know how to change the oil on my car. Like that's the level of right. like, I never learned life that I really managed to pull off. <laughs> totally. I feel like that's such a generational thing where it's like, we just, we're given these screens at such a pivotal point in our life and we never could go back. Well, we were also taught that like, yeah, you, the future of jobs are all in computers and yeah. to an extent they are, but then like, I don't know how to fix a toilet in my house and I, I still yeah. don't know how to cook most things. So like, yeah. <laughs> I remember at my middle school graduation, the principal said, you know, most of you, the jobs that you're going to have for the rest of your life haven't even been invented yet. And it was like, what do you mean? They haven't been invented yet? Like what? 
but it's so true. Like one of my friends works for a 3D laser printer company and like there's all these different things that people do that didn't exist 15 years ago. I, that's a really excellent point. But I guess journalism and investigative journalism have been around for a long time. So but I think we could agree that like most things, like even if like modern journalism wasn't super invented or at least like, like any other job in 2021, like boy, has it gone through some changes yeah. and are the priorities different and the process much different. Right. <laughs> we have, um, I've, I've got a guy on staff who like, he's in his forties. He's not nearly old enough to do this, but like back in the day in, in old timey news journalism, mm-hmm. uh, they used to like call in their stories to their editor and everything would end with a dash three zero dash this 30 at the end, uh, which was the cue to the editors that like, that was the end of the story. Nothing got lost anywhere. There wasn't a missing page. And like that guy will still turn in his articles to me with that at the end. But like they're Google docs, and I'm right. always just like, you pine for a way that things used to be. And like, yeah, I would like it if jobs still were that way in some ways. But like, no, everything changes. <laughs> yeah. So what is something that you're like comfortable sharing that you are still hoping to crack the code? Like what's next? Oh, boy. Um, I imagine that they're probably not listening to the podcast. <laughs> I think I can... Uh, break the rules here a little bit and share um there is um there's a religious organization in our community uh that people have had questions about for a while um something really wonderful happened in quarantine where uh, a lot of people suddenly didn't feel fear about coming out about bad organizations bad companies whatever like if your company was shit to you, like it doesn't matter that you're saying things on Facebook and a large group of other people saying shit because like you don't have a job. What are they going to do? Fire mm-hmm. you? Like you're not going back there. Uh, and and the same can be said of like um, of this religious group. Uh, and uh, suddenly a lot of people were willing to, to talk about what had happened. And so the last couple of months have involved me and a co-writer um, interviewing a lot of people about 60-ish years of of what goes on behind the scenes at what is very definitely a cult uh, mm. and the people that it don't really know and like it, it's always it's always fascinating to take on a story that has like that long of a timeline and and that everyone's experiences within it range from the truly horrific and painful to sort of the like what on God's green earth <laughs> was that like just so cartoonishly over the top this group that we're looking at um stole money from their parishioners for several years so that they could make an original netflix movie that oh is just horseshit. and like like to, to hear about how it destroyed people's lives is one thing and then to sit down and like fire the movie up and be like wow like this is what people's entire existence was ruined in service of like what egomaniacal like nonsense so like i don't know sometimes things get sad enough that they come out the other side and sometimes things are just ostensibly on the surface very funny like (laughs) wow (laughs) well we will all be looking forward to that 
I will let you know when that one's out. It should yeah, be soon. Geez. So I have a uh, pop pondering for you. It's okay. a question with the word pop in it, um, hearkening back to the beginning of our conversation. Okay. Possibility of precipitation, also known as pop, is a term in the weather world. Do you trust weather folks? Oh, God. <laughs> That's one where, like, you know, the technology around, like, weather has improved so much in our lifetime is that like go back and look at the movie twister like that was what they thought the future was and like we don't need the tennis ball robots uh flying around to fix that Mm -hmm. bill paxton can stay at home um i i find it fascinating because like despite all of that weather predictions are somehow just as accurate as they were when my grandparents were growing up so like it is it is such a fascinating thing to see a science that is also a crapshoot, not because that they don't have the data to figure it out, but because the weather itself doesn't want to play ball and really True. wants to throw it, it was one of my favorite parts of coronavirus was like, it just felt like the whole world was supposed to stop. And then you'd see like a an earthquake or like a, a series of forest fires. And you're like, oh, no one told Mother Earth that we're right. just supposed to be taking the whole year off. Like, turns out the planet still just does what it's going to do sometimes. And you're like, not now. We don't have the, the capacity for this right now on top of other things. So, yeah, weather is out of control. But, like, it is not, it is not for lack of believing the weather people. I know that they're doing their best. And if even the supercomputers they have can't, you know, figure it out right, then like, sure, it's not their fault. <laughs> yeah, that's very kind. I just think I, I've i checked the weather. I'm a big early morning walker, and I'll check the weather, and it will be like the night before it says it's going to rain all morning. I wake up, no rain until noon. So mm-hmm. I'm like two hours into a walk, five miles away from my house, and then it starts raining, like pouring. And I'm like, what? I just checked. And it just frustrates me. So I just like like to talk about the weather. Um, it was like it when it's like, technically they were right. It's like clear everywhere except for like my specific neighborhood. Right. We just got the one weirdo cloud and it's just going to town. And you're like, yeah, all right. Like for the city, they were right, but not for me. Yeah. So I have a passion plug and then I'm going to turn it over to you for your passion plug. Mine comes today. Cool from my best friend, Stephanie. She would like to plug Haymaker Books. It's a radical, independent, nonprofit book publisher based in Chicago. And um, it's a project of the Center for Economic Research and Social Change. Stephanie says it's a Chicago local independent book publisher and she loves buying books even though she rarely gets around to reading them. And they often have sales or free eBooks to make learning about how to be anti-capitalist more accessible. And it's not written by people who are doing the work to make life better. So it's not just theory. Oh, and it, it is written by people who are doing the work to make life better. So it's not just theory and complaining. And she finds it empowering, but also depressing sometimes. So I will link to Haymaker Books in the show notes. And Brock, what is your passion plug today? Um, you know what? Uh, I'm going to agree with your friend's passion plug buy a lot of books and never get around to reading them that's right? my that's my go-to i 
I've, the, several rooms in my house are just piles of books and I'm like, God, I'm, I'm going to get to you. I know you're important. Like, and I'm just like, Oh, but like sometimes at the start of pandemic, the wife and I were like, we have this like Google doc of all the like big important art films that we know that we've got to finally watch. And like when it hit, we were like, good, we're going to, we've had that list for three years. We're going to start plowing through them. And instead, we just watched every season of Married at First Sight and 90 Day Fiance because it was just like, I'm sorry, I, I just have the capacity for nothing but just hot garbage. And yeah, so that's like, that's valid. So books fell way under that. So like the piles just keep coming. Uh, my plug into the, my plug for the, for Pop this week is um, I'm the co-host of a podcast called Caring Into the Void. Uh, it is a, a bite-sized, uh, mostly weekly podcast. Uh, where me and a co-host share a story about dark, weird stuff from like cryptids to black holes to stuff that the Victorians did. Like Victorians used to crush up mummy bones and snort them because they thought it was an aphrodisiac. Oh and that's why God. we're kind of lacking in mummies. Uh, and uh, then we sort of take it and turn it into... Uh, you know, a set of positive affirmations for people to do. So the the carrying into the void, it's a uh, it, dark Lovecraftian positivity to take with you in your life. Uh, we started two and a half years ago and like um, we have listeners that now have tattoos of our catchphrase and stuff oh, wow. on them. And I'm just like, I don't know when this became a thing. I just thought it was for me and my pal to like try to make each other feel a little less depressed. But we we basically just do that and then do sort of what you just brought up, which is like, let's just share the the smallest possible self-care thing we did for ourselves this week, because maybe somebody else can try it. Uh, and uh, I cannot believe how, uh, how many people have reached out, especially this year, to be like, you helped through a thing. And I'm like, I, I don't understand why. Like, on paper, I do. But, like, we're just talking about weird monsters and, like... It, I I'm glad it works. Uh, so like it's it's something that I've become just wildly wildly proud of. So if you ever want to check out Caring into the Void, it's wherever you get your podcast. But like um, I I hope it helps. That's yeah. that's a good thing I get to put into the world. That like never has to crush somebody for being awful. Never has to bring up horrible trauma. Uh, so like yeah, that's a that's a pace, place for me to put my little my little heart in the box there and let that out of the world. It's nice to be able to be sincere and positive at least once a week for 30 minutes. So That is so nice. Yeah, we will link to that in the show notes. I, cool, thank you. Um, I'm a huge, I used to want to be a cryptozoologist in like high school. So I'm so curious, um, what is your favorite cryptid? Uh, we did an episode about it, uh, episode 49 or 50 of the show, I think. Uh, Pennsylvania has a cryptid called the squonk okay. and the, the squonk is a creature that um, is described as loathsome and hideous. Uh, and it's just sort of like picture like a, a very tall armadillo, but it's thing is that it is constantly crying. It is oh just so sad to be alive. And at some point, if it cries enough, it is, it is said to just like, melt and die oh. from sadness and i was just like I'm, I'm just like that's just the funniest thing i've ever heard and to see like over over the centuries artists depictions of what the squonk looks like it's it's just so heartbreakingly funny 
and just so like that's 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 the animal that lives in in my heart these days is the Pennsylvania squonk. Well, I think the Pennsylvania squonk has a Pisces moon, as do I. We're always crying. That is <laughs> that is just so funny, and it's so funny that you brought up cryptids because my passion plug for Steph. I remember we became friends. We were walking at a relay for life like junior year of high school we're like walking in the middle of the night around this track and we just start talking about cryptids and now she was my passion plug you brought up cryptids this is so cool i love when there's connections so thank you so much brock this was so fun and i want to thank everyone for listening to pop of passion produced by christine ferreira live from the lincoln lodge please follow the show on social media at pop of passion and at pop of passion podcast.com I'm Jack Sparker. Go out and be the light, living your passion. <laughs>